Good evening and welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors go to share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, Ben Hogan Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, Two Wonder, the Salt Creek Golf Retreat, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, and Superspeed Golf. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Hey, good evening, everybody, and thank you for coming back and joining me again this week here on Next on the T. It's great having you with me. And, folks, tonight it's all about instruction and improving your game. Plus, we're going to talk about how, how we can have a little bit more fun out on the golf course and at the 19th hole when we're adding up our scores and our friends are going to be doing uh, all the uh, buying of drinks uh, after the round because we've got uh, three great instructors tonight that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. You're going to help you improve your game. And first up with me is going to be Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor, Tim Cusick. Tim's also a master PGA professional and one of the most decorated teachers anywhere on the planet. He teaches out at the Four Seasons Resort in Irving, Texas. He's written a great book titled The Four Keys to Improving Your Game, which you can find out on Amazon.com. Tonight, I'm going to get Tim's thoughts on typical swing flaws that he sees that causes us to hit our ball sideways, whether it's off the tee or out on the fairway. also want to get his thoughts on what we need to do. If our goal this year is to break 80, 90, or 100, what are some of the basics? What are some of the things that we need to do in order to put ourselves in, pos- in position to do that? I want to talk about basics, right? You know, whether we're talking about stance or ball position, how to gain distance control on our lag putts, right? So we can turn our three putts into two putts, all of those sorts of things so that uh, we can have the best golf season ever. So really looking forward to having Tim back with me. He's going to join me in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visitor from Class A teaching professional Mike Landry. Mike teaches out in L.A. at Miles Square Golf Course, which is a beautiful-looking 36-hole facility. So we'll talk about what they've got to offer out there. We'll also talk about a fantastic event that Mike and another great friend of the show here, Joe Groman, they both put on a, a, a wonderful event uh, for kids with special needs out at Navy Golf Course out at Seal Beach. And for those of you who are familiar, right, you know that that's where Tiger grew up playing and joe has talked about that when he has been on the show also want to get some uh tips from mike for correcting our slice off the tee right how how much does that hurt when you step up to the tee particularly the first tee and the ball goes right into the woods right we want to make sure we don't do that anymore so want to hear what mike thinks about that plus get uh how we can get better contact when we're hitting our fairway woods off the deck out on the fairway as well so michael join me at the bottom of this hour Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from Jack Deal. Jack's another Class A teaching professional and the head professional out at Magnolia Creek Golf Club in League City, Texas, which is southeast of Houston. So uh, Texas well represented tonight on the show. Jack's been an instructor all over the country, really. So we'll talk about how playing in Texas differs from playing in other parts of the country. Also want to talk a little bit more fundamentals with him on the importance of developing a consistent pre-shot routine, plus how to deal with strong headwinds. When we're inside 100 yards, right? We don't want that ball ballooning up and we come up way short. So how do we play under the wind? How do we play more effectively into the wind? We'll hear what Jack has to say. He'll join me about 45 minutes from now. And then a late entrance on the show. So we're going to round out tonight uh, with a uh, another great guest, and that's Andy Lano. And you guys remember 
Andy joined me a couple of weeks ago. He sent me a text message just a few minutes ago telling me how he went out to Old Head out in Ireland. And for those of you that heard our segment on Old Head a couple of weeks ago and our good friend, Brent Dornford, who is the brand manager out there, well, uh, Andy went out there and played. So I wanted to see if I couldn't get Andy to jump on and talk about his experience out there, and he agreed to do so. So he'll join me at the top of the next hour. So a lot more great stories and information and playing lessons coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the T. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Before we get started, you know, I always like to kick off the show by reminding you about my good friends Mitchell and Matthew Lawrence and their great golf shows. Mitch's podcast is called Talking Golf Getaways, and he and his co-host Darren Bunch, they let you know about great places to go, stay, play, and even eat and drink while you're there. You can stream their podcast over on Golf Trip X, and that's a letter X, so GolfTripX.com. It's also available on Audioboom, Stitcher, and Player.fm. Go there, check out their show, and learn about some of the hidden gems we have to play around the country. His twin brother, Matthew, also has a great golf show. It's called Backspin Golf, and it airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time over on WLXG, ESPN Radio, AM 1300 in Lexington, Kentucky. Show so much fun. Matthew's so much fun. It's always a great way to kick off your Sunday mornings. Again, the name of the show is Backspin Golf, and you can stream it online at WLXG.com or doing what I did, which is download the WLXG app. And folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear from Steve Rondonaire about what they've got going on up there this summer. It's a Pete Dye masterpiece, the Pete Dye course at French Lick Resort. Pete says its location on one of the highest points in Indiana makes it special. The long views, you can see many 20 and 30 miles from many of the fairways and many of the tees and greens. And, and you can see it in 360 degrees. Donald Ross's hill course put French Lick on the golf map more than 100 years ago. It's where Walter Hagen won the 1924 PGA Championship and the place where today's Symmetra Tour ladies battle each year. It's the ambience around it that makes the golf course. Combine our many resort amenities with legendary golf and you have a getaway like no other. French Lick Resort is the home of the Senior LPGA Championship, won in 2018 by World Golf Hall of Famer Laura Davies. Play the course's champions play. Plan your trip now, online at FrenchLick.com. Yeah, folks, go to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place they have up there and book your stay as well. And oh, by the way, folks, they've got a casino right there on the property as well. And well, folks, TaylorMade has done it again. Their M5 and M6 drivers are a great story. They both feature speed-injected twist face, created through a revolutionary manufacturing process where every single head, and I do mean every single head, is injected and calibrated to the threshold of the legal limit. So basically, every head is made to be tour spicy. So speed for all of us. Check it out online by going to TaylorMadeGolf.com. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. They've got their summer collection out. Their thoughtful selections are rooted in character and endurance. The signature details, colors, and fabrics remind you that you are well on the way to the game you are meant to play on the course and in the course of life. Check out their summer collection online at bobbyjones.com. Now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is one of the top instructors anywhere on the planet, and that's Tim Cusick. Let me remind you a little bit about Tim's background. He has been a member of the PGA of America since 1989. He has been named one of the best teachers in the state of Texas by Golf Digest every year since 2011. And this year, he has been named one of their top 100 instructors in America. He's a three-time winner of the Teacher of the Year Award by the Northern Texas PGA. 
He has also won the Northern Texas PGA's Horton Smith Award, which is given annually for outstanding and continuing contributions to professional golf education. Last year, he achieved master professional status after graduating from the PGA program. Tim has coached and helped more than 150 junior players secure a college golf scholarship. He has also coached players like Bruce Crampton, Brad Elder, Hollis Stacey, and Sandra Palmer. He formerly managed and taught at the Hank Haney Golf School and worked with Hank for 23 years. He is currently the Director of Instruction at the Four Seasons Resort and Club in Irving, Texas. He's written a great book titled The Four Keys to Improve Your Game, which you can find out on Amazon.com. He can also be heard Sunday mornings on the Pro Shop Golf Show on 103.3 FM ESPN Radio in Dallas from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And I'm honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Tim, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, thanks for having me again. Thanks for the great intro as well. Uh, you're absolutely welcome, my friend. So catch us up. It's been a little while since I got to have you on the show. And by the looks of things, things have been going pretty well for you. Catch us up. You know, it, it has been. Uh, we've had uh, I've had a good run here in, in, in Texas the last year or so and achieved some milestones, certainly with becoming a master professional with the PGA and then also with uh, Golf Magazine. Uh, making me one of their top 100 instructors in the United States. That was a, a you know a lifelong uh, lifelong accomplishment that uh, I achieved earlier this year, and and uh, it's great to have those. And but it's great to to show up every day on the lesson tee and teach all different types of golfers. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to gloss over either one of those two things because those are both major milestones in a career. So talk about master professional status. Talk about what it takes to go from being a PGA professional to a master professional. So you have to have uh, a certain number of years under your belt as a PGA professional, eight or ten years, I believe. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not exact. But after that, you have to uh, you have to specialize uh moving into the certification process, whether it is in golf instruction or whether it is in golf operations. I chose golf instruction, obviously, after my, my, uh, my long teaching career that I've had. And I achieved uh, to be a certified golf professional with the PGA in 2017. And, you know, I thought, okay, I've, I've, I've done what I've, I've wanted to do. I've become certified as a, as a PGA professional. And then I thought, you know what, there's one more level. It's, it's to be a master professional. And I thought, you know, if I got to certification, why not try and be a master professional? I mean, it, it's the pinnacle of uh, the pinnacle of the PGA in, in terms of your expertise. And so that took about uh, four or five months. I was able to use my book that you talked about, The Four Keys to Improve Your Game, to uh, use as my thesis. It's almost like getting your master's in, in, uh, in school. And uh, I had to go down to Port St. Lucie and present a, a PowerPoint and uh, give a golf lesson and go through about a 45-minute question and answer, as well as a number of other things. And uh, thankfully, I, I was able to convince them that I should be a master professional. So from there, we get the top 100 instructors in America by Golf Digest. What was that like? And is that, is that sort of one of the things you get a call one day and say, congratulations, Tim, you're in our top 100. How did you learn about it? You know, every, every two years, uh, golf magazine sends out a questionnaire in terms of uh, applying for uh, the golf, the, the top 100 um, teachers in America. And I filled out that application, I'm going to say, probably for the last 10 to 12 years or so, five or six times. And uh, you fill it out. Uh, it's quite lengthy. 
And you first have to be nominated by a current top 100 uh, golf instructor. And uh, so I was nominated. I've been nominated the last 10 years or so. I fill out the application and uh, it's in the summertime. And then you really don't think too much about it. And they, uh, they have a, a board or a panel that, that meets uh, late in the fall or early winter and goes over all the applications. And I got a call uh, from a good buddy of mine, Mike Adams, who uh, is in the Hall of Fame, actually, for, uh, for teaching professionals. And he called me in, uh, in December and said, Tim, I, he said, what are you doing? And I was actually, I was watching the, the Cowboys. I remember I was watching the Cowboys Indianapolis Colts game. And it was halftime, and he said, uh, "He said, well, I, I don't want to take you away from the game too long, but I hope you're sitting down because you are now a top 100 golf instructor in the United States." And you know, it kind of it kind of caught me off guard because I, you know, you always think that you might get that award, but it hasn't come, and so you don't hang your hat on it when you uh, you fill out the application. But when he called and and delivered the news, it uh, you know that was that's a career milestone for me. What was it like? So after you hang up the phone, how do you celebrate? Well, I, I was I was over uh, at a at a, um, a kind of a Cowboys watching party with uh, some of my uh, my wife's um, clients, and there was probably I don't know twenty or thirty uh, people there. Ryan Palmer was one, and the the only thing Mike said is he said you can't. <laughs> You can't say anything to anybody because it's not announced yet. But I just wanted to let you know. I just want to let you know. I walked out of the room, and so I grabbed my wife and pulled her off to the side and and told her, and she gave me a big hug. And and unfortunately, the Cowboys lost, but it was a very good day for me in December. Ah, good for you, Tim. I want to go back to your book again. It's titled "The Four Keys to Improve Your Game" because it's not a book to tell us how to make the perfect swing. It's, in my opinion, at least, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be more about the swing flaws that you see that cause the ball to, you know, go places that we didn't intend for it to fly to. So, talk about that and talk about some of the flaws that uh, that you address in the book. You know, Chris, once there's a couple. There's a couple milestones that, that all golfers achieve, no matter at what level you are in, in playing the game of golf. And the first one, obviously, is making contact with a ball. And everyone has to go through that. And then you've got to get it up in the air. And once you've got it up in the air consistently, then really there's four things that, that to me, you focus on as you're practicing, as you're playing. And those four things are, are the, the, the trajectory of the shot, is the ball flying as high as you think it should? Is it flying too high? Is it flying too low? The curvature of the shot, curving too much right or too much left, where the ball's hitting on the club face, center, toe, heel, high, low in the club. And then probably the most important thing is, is what are you doing at impact? When the ball's on the ground, are you making contact with the ball on the ground at the same time? Are you hitting the ground behind it? Are you having trouble getting down to the ground? Are you getting down to the ground too much? Are you hitting the ball then being in front of it, hitting the ground in front of the ball? And so those are things that, that, that really stand out to me. And I watch those as I teach and as I watch people hit golf balls. I don't pay that much attention to their swing at first. I'm paying attention to those four things. And no matter who it is, whether it's a tour pro or a 90 shooter, one of those things at least is going to stand out if they're not hitting it the way they'd like to hit it. And that allows me to troubleshoot and jump into the swing exactly where I need to start 
so I'm making a difference right away in every single person's swing that I watch. I'm not just fixing for the sake of fixing. And that's a great point, Tim, because we hear an awful lot now about, you know, swing your swing, particularly when you look at, you know, players like, you know, Hosung Choi or Matthew Wolf now out on, you know, out on the tour, or of course, Jim Furyk right. over the years, all have very unique swings. So all things that, you know, that we do in, 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 the, in the backswing don't seem to matter as long as we can, you know, square the club face at impact. So what are you doing when you see somebody that's got a very unique swing? What are you looking at? Are you looking at going, oh, my goodness? Or are you just c- concerned about how that person is squaring the club face when it makes contact? Well, it, it, it's, it, it's interesting you asked me that because that was really part of the genesis of my book. I was, I was uh, teaching at the Four Seasons about 10 years ago, and this guy came to me for a lesson, and he had a really, really unique swing. I mean, he made Matthew Wolf look like Ben Hogan. And so when I started watching this guy, you know, I just I heightened my awareness, not so much about the uniqueness of his swing, but really what stood out to me. What am I trying to fix? What, what, what flight, what impact am I trying to improve with him and not get hung up about the uniqueness of his golf swing? And so... It just when when I have somebody like that, it just heightens my awareness even more as to how important it is to focus on those four keys first and for, first and foremost, and not so much about just are they turning correctly or is the club swinging up and down the plane right? You know those those are all important, but I've got to start with first things first because you and I both know that you can only focus on so many things at once when you're swinging. And that list is very, very small. And so you've got to make sure that whatever swing keys you're giving somebody, they, they, they get the most bang for their buck. They, they, make, they make a difference. I mean, that's something that I pride myself in is when I teach, I, I, make, I make corrections and I get, I get better flight and better impact very, very quickly in my, in my lessons. That's because I'm able to start in the proper place every time. Tim, switching gears just a little bit, and for those of us, you know, who are weekend hackers and we're lamenting, you know, why we never seem to get any better, and, and maybe we came into this golf season saying, look, my goal this year is I want to break whatever it is, 80, 90, or 100. Are, are there things unique to players kind of in those categories of those three kind of 80, 90 to 100? Are there different things that you would want to focus on? If I came to you and said, hey, Tim, you know, I'm a, I'm a 26 handicap. I want to break a hundred. Is it different for what you're going to work on with me than if I came to you and said, Hey, look, I'm trying to break 90 or I'm trying to break 80. Yeah, I, I think so, Chris. I think, okay, first, if you start with someone that, that that's challenged to break a hundred, okay. They, they have a lot of room to improve obviously. And, and they probably have room to improve in every area of the game, whether it's management or ball striking or putting or chipping or, or, or you know, whatever it is. And so I would look in each of those areas with them and just give them some, some keys. So, for instance, in management of the game, I would, I would just try and impress upon them that, you know what, if you can just tee off on the side of trouble and aim away from trouble or tee off on the opposite side of wind and hit back into the wind so that you can use the entire fairway, at least off the tee 18 times around, you got a chance to get the ball in play a little bit better. And then I would ask them to just focus on trying to be better at, at, at making solid contact, at, at getting the golf ball up in the air 
and making solid contact. Work towards that. Even if that means just making practice swings and setting three tees down and give yourself a little bit of room and hit that tee in the middle and miss the tee on the outside and the inside to help them with their hand-eye coordination and to help them find the golf ball more. And then if you look at the guy that the, the, the guy or gal that, that struggles to break 90, I would say, you know what? We've got to figure out how you can be better with your short game because you're still three-putting and you're two-chipping too many times. So if you can improve your lag putting skills, just simply practice to the edge of the green. Start at 20 feet. Hit a putt to the edge of the green. Go to 25 feet. Go to 30 feet. And work on trying to gauge distance better with your putting. And then I always say, if you draw a circle around the green from 40 yards out, if your lie is not obstructed, or you don't have to, you don't have to, to, to go over something that you can't or around something, you want the next shot to be on the green with a putter in hand. I don't care if it's from 50 feet, 30 feet, or 10 feet, because I haven't seen an amateur golfer yet that's better with their wedge than they are with their putter. So I want their putter in their hand as many times as I can to help them shoot a lower score. And then you get the guy or the lady that needs to, to try and break 80. And when you're trying to break 80, you're now looking for probably a quarter of a shot here, a half a shot here. You've already been able to hit the golf ball pretty decent. But maybe you have to start looking at saying, okay, if the pin's in the front of the green and that yardage is 140, then I'm going to play to 145, which is just past the pin, and that gives me a little bit of room for error. And trying to look at things like that that allow you to hit just a few more greens around to give yourself a chance to break 80. And Tim, that's a great point. And, I, and I'm a guy, I'm, I'm consistent, 80 to 85. And I'm that guy that can't seem to get over that 80 hump. And you're right. When, you know, when I'm trying to, you know, I, I'm concentrating hard. I'm trying to do all the things right that I'm supposed to do. But then there's that one last piece that you just mentioned that I can't get over. And, uh, you know, boy, it, it sure would be helpful, right, to, you know, from a mental side to understand that I'm not going to strike the ball perfectly every time. And that, I think that's my problem. I expected, you know, that 140 shot, which to me is a nine iron, that I'm going to hit that 140 yards every time. And I don't. That's the, that, that's just the pure and simple thing is I don't. And I can't get that out of my head. And if I would take maybe a three-quarter eight iron and try to hit it a little further and then give, give myself that opportunity to, if I thin it a little bit or if I hit it just a little bit fat, that I still give myself the opportunity to putt and make, you know, two putts for par, probably gets me the, where I'm trying to go. You know what, Chris? I had a female college player that I was on the golf course with two days ago, and we had this exact example. It was the, it was the 18th hole at the TPC course where they used to play the Byron Nelson, and the pin was up front, and you've got a bunker that sits front right, and you've got some water that sits to the left of the green. And I, and I said to her, I said, okay, what, she shot it with her bush on, and I said, what's the yardage? And she said, 140. And I said, okay, I want you to play this shot 145. And she kind of looked at me, and I said, yeah, hit it, hit it 145. And so she pulled out, whether it was her eight or nine iron, and she even hit a nice looking shot that was headed towards the pin. And it ended up about four feet from the pin, just to the right of the pin. And I said, I thought you were going to hit that 145. And she said, well, I missed it just a little bit. And I said, exactly. That's exactly why you were trying to play that 145. 
because if you hit at 145, you have a 15-foot putt, and that's great. But if you miss it, now you got a four-foot putt, and that's even better. Yeah, that's great advice, and uh, certainly something I'm going to make sure that I try to get through my head. Tim, I, you know, it's Tuesday, and for you, that typically means it's Golf Tip Tuesday, which is ah, a series of yes. videos that uh, <laughs> that you put out there on your Twitter page, and people can find at Tim Cusick Golf. I want to tap into a few of those for our listeners, starting with one of the basic, you know, fundamentals, which is stance. Should we be taking the same stance for every club, or should we, you know, should the distance and you know the, how how far our feet are apart? Should, the, should that change as we're going up and down the bag with the different clubs? Does it get wider and more narrow, or is it the same every time? That's a great question, Chris, and I, I appreciate you bringing up Golf Tip Tuesday. I love doing those for our club at the Four Seasons, and, and I get a lot, of, uh, a lot of followers on Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook that, uh, that, that watch those each and every week and, and love the, the, the little tips or the little ideas that I have. So with the stance, I always like to measure from the inside of the heels in terms of the width of the stance because you can flare your toes out and kind of fake yourself out a little bit. So the inside of the heels is a great measuring point. And then I always say with your short irons, you want the inside of your heels to kind of be in line with your armpits. You want the stance narrower, and the reason being is that the narrower stance takes the center of your body and it puts it more on top of the ball which allows you naturally to hit more down and stay on top of the ball with the shorter irons. I take a half a step out with my middle irons inside the heels to about the middle of the shoulders for the middle irons, and then I'll take another half a step out with both feet to where the inside of my heels are outside my shoulders for any club club that has a head cover or if you've got a long iron in your bag. And so as you widen your stance, it takes the center of your body and it moves the center of your body a little bit more behind the ball and as you have less loft on the club face it allows you to hit more of the back of the ball so you can launch it correctly tim one more before i let you go one more playing lesson before i let you go and i want to talk about fairway bunkers because i think that's a shot most of us struggle mm-hmm. with whether it's we're thinning it and you know we may not get it out of the bunker at all because we've hit it low and it hits the face of the bunker and stays in or we're sculling it and it's going way, way you know, across the green or way over the green, that sort of thing. So when we're in a fairway bunker, and just for example uh, purposes, let's say I'm 150 yards out, I'm in a fairway bunker, how should I be playing that shot? You know, Chris, probably the most difficult shot for anybody that doesn't have their name on the back of the bag and playing for a living. So that means all amateur golfers, even scratch golfers. And it's a very difficult shot because you have to be so precise with the bottom of your downswing. There is no room for error. And so what I would say and what I would suggest for for amateur golfers, and this is what tour players do, is the first thing they do is they, they shorten the length of their club a lot of times, which means just choking down maybe a quarter to a half an inch. And, and all that does is take some of that sand that's underneath the golf ball out of play just a little bit. The second thing that they'll do is they'll put the ball maybe just a fraction farther back in their stance, maybe somewhere for a right-handed golfer in between their nose and their right eye. That will help them get a little bit more solid contact. And by doing that, you ensure that you've got a chance to, 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 to get the ball out of the bunker. The third thing that they do is they might make just a little bit more narrower stance, similar to what I just talked about, to get the center of their body more on top of the golf ball. 
and then you've got to get a good base with your feet. You're not, you don't want a lot of movement going in the backswing. So you might feel like you're making maybe a one-third backswing and then all the way through through swing to get the movement going forward so that you can strike the golf ball first. And it's a, and it's a shot that you've got to be very precise with, like I said. And, and actually, if you make a mistake, it's better a little thin than a little heavy. But it really demands the bottom of the downswing being in the proper spot. Tim, I saw a nice Twitter message uh, to you from another great instructor that I've been blessed to have on the show a few times, Keith Jarvis. I saw that out uh, just yeah. a couple of days ago, congratulating you on being named a top 100 instructor. But how do you, uh, how have you and Keith gotten to know each other? I used to, I used to give Keith lessons at PGA West when I worked there before I was at the Hank Haney Golf Ranch. This was in the late 80s, early 90s. And he was just a, a, a guy that was looking to improve his game and maybe try and play a little bit for a living way back when. And uh, he followed me to, to Dallas a couple times, and I helped him then. And I know now he's he's into the game, and he's in, and he's a very good instructor. And every once in a while, we we touch base and and uh, and, and, and exchange uh, messages on social media. I haven't seen him in a while, but uh, I'm happy to see that he's having some sex some some success in. Uh, in the golf world in terms of teaching the game of golf. That's awesome. Tim, uh, before I let you go, talk about the Four Seasons Resort that you're at and the facilities that you have out there in Irving, Texas. Chris, we've got a great 36-hole property, a Four Seasons uh, hotel, about 425 rooms, 325 of which are in a tower, and then another 100 or so that are around the first and 18th hole of uh, our TPC golf course. We've got an incredible fitness and spa facility if that's something that you like as well as uh indoor outdoor tennis courts and we're actually going through right now a a bunker renovation from all the rains that we had last fall we've got 136 bunkers on on both golf courses and practice facilities and we are replacing it with absolutely pure white sand that you might see at augusta national or other very high-end facilities and we probably have about uh, six holes done on each course right now. That job will be complete sometime in August. And I'll tell you what, I got in one of those bunkers the other day, two days after they finished it, and it felt like it had been there for 10 years, and I thought I was playing a bunker shot out of Augusta National. Wow, that's awesome. Tim, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media. On, on Instagram, uh, on uh, Facebook, and on uh, Twitter at Tim Cusick Golf. And as you said, I've got a radio show every Sunday on uh, ESPN Dallas. If you download the ESPN Dallas app or just download 103.3 FM ESPN in Dallas, and we're from 9 to 10 Central, and myself and Courtney Canal, a uh, fellow golf professional in Dallas, and Brady Tinker, who is a sports uh, uh, cast uh, personality in Dallas. We do a great job from 9 to 10 Central every single Sunday. Similar to you, and I'll tell you what, Chris, I love seeing your tweets and how nice you are to all the, the golf instructors in the, in, the, uh, in the United States. And I'll tell you what, you're one of the best in the craft, that's for sure, my friend. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. It means a great deal to me, Tim. Thank you. Well, Tim, it's always a privilege having you as uh, as part of the show. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and join me. I hope you'll do it again real soon, my friend. It's uh, It's always Absolutely. a privilege. Anytime, Chris. Thanks so much. Have a great night.
You do the same, Tim. All the best to you and your family. Thank you. That is the great Tim Cusick, C-U-S-I-C-K, Cusick. He's, uh, he, like I say, he's one of the most decorated instructors anywhere on the planet. And, uh, you know, even in the uh, intro that I did for him, didn't even name all of the great awards that Tim has won. So I uh, can't thank him enough for his time. And he's fantastic. Again, when you think about uh, needing an instructor somewhere in that area, please go see him down at the Four Seasons. And be sure to check him out, like you said, on 103.3 FM ESPN Radio down there in Dallas, 10 to 11 Eastern, 9 to 10 Central Time. And then check out his uh, his great Twitter page, at Tim Cusick Golf, and you can see some of those great instructions that he gives out every Tuesday, those Tuesday tips. So looking forward to having Tim back on the show again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Mike Landry, I want to remind you about a few of our sponsors. First, be sure to check out our friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. And folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan Irons since maybe the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor and get a demo iron for either their Fort Worth PTX or new PTX, PTX Pro or even their Edge Irons. And take them out on the range and compare it to whatever it is you've got in your bag. All Ben Hogan Irons and Wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. So no mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com, and they're going to build those irons to your specifications, and best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. So check out their complete line of forged irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories, and their new GS53 driver and fairway woods, which looks absolutely fantastic. Reading great reviews about both of those online. You can find out more information by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. I also want to give a shout out to one of our newer sponsors, the Sandestin Resort. Surrounded by white sandy beaches and the beautiful Gulf of Mexico, Sandestin Golf and Beach Resort offers three championship golf courses open to the public and one semi-private course. With recognition from leading golf magazines and reviewers around the world, each course provides an exciting challenge in a different scenic setting. Golfers can choose to play one or all of the courses, including Raven Golf Club, the Robert Trent Jones uh, Jr. layout that played host to the PGA Champions Tour back in 2006 and 2007. The Lynx Golf Club, designed by Tom Jackson, offers a winding layout against a backdrop of the Baytown Marina and the Chakawachi Bay. Baytown Golf Club, also designed by Tom Jackson, offers a fifth set of U.S. Kids Juniors tees. And Burnt Pine Golf Club, which is a semi-private Reese Jones design available only to registered Sandestin guests. Go online to sandestin.com forward slash tea time or give them a call at 844-887-SAND for more information and to book your tea times. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at pgatoursuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Mike Landry. Mike is a PGA teaching professional at Mile Square Golf Course out in Fountain Valley, California, just outside of L.A. Mile Square is a 36-hole public course designed by David Ranville that opened back in 1969. Mike is also taught at the Marriott at Manhattan Beach. He studied at the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor in Belton, Texas. He's a PGA Class A teaching professional and has been so for over 25 years, and I'm very honored. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Mike, thanks for coming back on the show. Great to, great to be with you, Chris. 
Mike, I, I got to tell you, I, you know, I see your Mile Square Golf Club out there is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. And it, like I've said, when you've joined me before, looks like an absolutely spectacular facility out there in L.A. Talk about the course and uh, and what you guys have got going on to celebrate the 50th. Yeah, you know, it's a uh, you got the classic course, which is just like it sounds tree lined. Uh, we have the Players 18, which is modern golf with the bigger green complexes some sneaky water, and then kind of here in the future, I believe 18 months or thereabouts, we'll be back to just 18 holes. So they're going to be just an eight, we'll be back to an 18-hole facility. Hmm, so that's okay. going to be, be kind of unique. But again, that player's course has been here for, uh, I believe, since 2001, if I'm not mistaken. But again, some of the land will go back to the county for the county use. And with the uh, the owners have an opportunity to kind of redo their lease and, again, still be a very busy facility. Mike, I read on the course's website that uh, you guys have some of the finest greens in Southern California. What do you think sets the greens apart from other golf courses? You know, you have the undulation. you got very consistent speeds. Uh, like you mentioned, it's probably got some of the best practice putting greens in the whole Southern California area. you got, you know, three massive greens. So, again, you have older folks that want to come out and do a little bit of putting. Uh, again, one's a little bit more shadier than the other. Uh, so it, it, it's definitely a unique situation. And then kind of with our 50th celebration, they had, I think, Monday, Tuesday, $50 green fees, including carts and a 50 anniversary cap. And then I think Wednesday we got like 50-cent quarter-pound dogs. Uh, and then we got like a 50 cent uh, range promotion day, so that'll kind of help out. But uh, good ownership and definitely a, a good structured facility. And Mike, to your point about uh, price, when I was looking at uh, the prices online, greens fees there's a $39 Monday to Thursday, 53 on weekends and, and holidays. And boy, I tell you what, when you think about a, a value for for the area, I mean, I know for me, like you, you can't play anywhere in, in around Atlanta for 39 or 53 dollars, regardless of it's Monday through Thursday or on the weekend. We're right. paying 70, 80 dollars yeah, no. easy out here. That's a heck of a value in L.A., isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, again, walking. Again, you get the riders. You're looking at the 54 and the 60, but still very good. And then we have, like, a senior club to where it's Monday through Thursday, 40 bucks a ride, 42 on Fridays. But it's, you know, a very competitive price. Uh, it's run structured, as I mentioned. We have starters that time the turns and monitor the play instead of, you know, you know, having any nightmares out on the golf course, so we do, you know, really pay attention to the players. Mike, changing gears a little bit, I saw a recent post that another great friend of the show, Joe Groman, who is a PGA professional out there at the Navy Golf Course at Seal Beach there in Cypress, California. Joe posted some pictures from an event that you guys were both at uh, for kids with special needs. Talk about that event. Yeah, no, that's very good. It's, it's, you know, special ed kids, which is a great time for them to get out, get exposed to golf. Uh, again, with that, they they get that chance at hitting some balls, pitching, putting, and in worst case scenario, they have a great lunch. And again, you know, Joe was, you know, the, one of the instructors for Tiger Woods for many years. I think of his last, this last year, he's actually moved to uh, El Dorado Public Facility, which is part of the, the Long Beach Golf uh, 
complexes there in Long Beach, El Dorado. And he does, you know, the Wounded Warriors. And I think also he did the, uh, with the military games. He's one of the coaches there. But again, I've helped him out down at Camp Pendleton where we do the uh, military days down there. And it's, he runs a great show. Mike, I want to get some playing lessons from you uh, for our listeners. Plus, uh, I want to be a little selfish here and start off with me because, as I was saying to Tim Cusick in the last segment, I'm typically an 80 to 85 shooter, but have a hard time getting over the hump of breaking 80. If I came to you as a new student and said, hey, Mike, I need your help. I need to break 80. How would you help me as a new student get to that milestone? First, you know, we're going to take a look at your iron setup, your wood setup. Uh, and then the other part of the lesson, we're going to ease over to the uh, the short game area, kind of assess that. And from there, we got a plan. Uh, but, you know, a lot of it is going to be the setup, uh, the body motion, so that you get the body motion going. So anything attached will go with it. You know, once the body, you, you know, changes pace, then things can get out of, out of position. But, yeah, definitely work on the setup and body motion. And Mike, you offer, speaking of short game, a, a short game master's program to help people with, you know, develop that piece and that part of the game. Talk about what that program is and some of the drills that you work on. Yeah, you know, a lot of it, you know, with the short game program just is to be able to, again, get that set up. Uh, with that set up, uh, you know, went to one of the education days with Seekman, who worked with Sevi Ballast, who learned a lot from Sevi Ballesteros. So, again, it relates to setup and the body motion. Uh, so, again, you know, having that short game, you know, program or membership that gives me an opportunity to get, you know, one-on-one with them. Uh, again, if we can get half a dozen in the program, then I can get them to play golf with each other. Uh, again, kind of support each other just like you would in your normal foursome type of situation. And Mike, so many of us struggle slicing the ball off the tee. What What is something that uh, our listeners can do that, you know, whether it's with their grip or their setup or that sort of thing, to help us hit straighter drive so we're not uh, hunting around in the woods too much? Yeah. So again, from the setup, uh, body motion, uh, again, being able to keep that core moving at any, at any you know, rate is going to be good. Uh, again, be able to do like a hands apart drill so that they're, you know, the forearms are crossing over. Uh, so that again, that club head's going to be in a position to where it's going to finish its movement instead of kind of thinking you're going to hang on and hit it down the line. Uh, you know, with that, you know, we've been able to do a lot of work with juniors. So that's, I've really been building in a junior area. So that's been kind of my success story lately and getting a good following there. Mike, looking back to when you first started playing, how much has technology changed? And can you see it in your own game? Are you hitting the ball as far, if not further, than you did 25 years ago? Yeah, you know, a lot of it is just still visual. I mean, when I started back, you know, when I was in the Met section, we used Polaroid cameras. But again, you got to have the visuals. And then from there, you're using the digital cameras now, tablets, uh, the launch monitors. But like anything, you have to know when to let people see it or be aware of it. So it's kind of like the great chefs, they feel the temperatures or get a feel for what's going on to where if they put the temperature gauge in there, <laughs> they got to be prepared for what's going to come out. 
Are you seeing it in your own game? Are you hitting the ball further, better than you did 25 years ago? You know, it's I see it a lot in my driver and fairway woods, and then I'm about to uh, get a you know get some new Callaway irons, so I get, I got to go get some some game performance irons to really get back in the game. Uh, but again, I still go as aggressively as I did when I was younger. It's just the technology has got to help Mike out. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike, one of the things I talked about last week with Kelly Stenzel and Owen Brown is how their teaching and playing philosophies have changed over the years because they've changed and the things in the game have changed. When you think back to when you first started teaching, have your philosophies changed at all about how you teach the golf swing? You know, I, pretty much. I mean, I, I, I think I concentrate probably – 80% more on the pitching and short game. And again, more so that relates to the takeaway in a full swing, because if the takeaway is poor in a full swing, it's going to be poor in a short game. If it's textbook in a short game takeaway, it's going to be textbook in a full swing. Uh, and that's, that's huge in the short game and full swing setup. You have to be like, as I mentioned with the, you have to be behind the ball in full swing shots. Uh, transfer the weight and short game you're more vertical and then also favoring the target side and mike when you look at guys out on the on the pga tour now when you're watching like rory or dustin johnson brooks kepka bubba watson they're bombing the ball nearly 400 yards off the tee do you like that and see it as a natural progression of technology in the game? Or do you think, you know, boy, they're going to need to roll the golf ball back because before long we're going to need 9,000-yard golf courses the way the ball flies? You know, it's incredible because, you know, like you say, with the big guns out there, they're, they're athletes. <laughs> There's no question they're athletes. But, again, it all comes back to the short game or distance control from with their shorter irons. And we saw that with uh, Dustin Johnson, uh Woodland, we see that with uh, Brooks, uh, Rory. But again, if they can clone in that, you know, nine on in, nine in on in, that there's it's a scary situation. And if they get the flat stick, like the kind of underdogs do, then it's it's a it's a game that'll it's going to change like we've seen from Tiger. And, Mike, for the average guy like me that can only really drive the ball, you know, 225, maybe 230 if it's downhill, downwind, I can get it out that far. Is there something that we can do to try to pick up an extra 10 or 20 yards off the tee? You know, I think it goes right back to the, you know, the stretching, the body motion, uh, the advantages we're getting with technology to where the, the drivers and hybrids and three woods, you're, you're able to adjust the needs to where – it can, if done correctly, it can be lower. If you're fading it, you can adjust it so it's straight, if not draw. So you, you have to get a good understanding of what you have equipment-wise and make sure that you're not going to be stuck in the same tools to where you can kind of upgrade it when needed. And, Mike, looking back over the years as a, as a teaching pro, what were some of the, the best tips that other pros, when you first started coming out and starting to, uh, you know, teach and get your, you know, your style and the things that you were wanting to and pass upon your students, were there some tips that some of the other pros that you might have worked with or around that shared with you that you have now passed on to your students? I, you know, I'm really oriented with drills because with drills, 
people can learn four things and only think about one. <laughs> so that makes my job easier because if they do one thing with a drill, I accomplish four things. Uh, again, you know, when it comes to teaching, I learned you know, probably 15 years ago, if not more, that I'm better off giving them a $2 molded training grip than move their hands around. Because if I can give them that $2 training grip, they can put their hands on it, treat it like a puzzle, kids treat it like a Lego that it fits, and not then have them try to recreate the hand position because <laughs> it doesn't function. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But yeah, it makes it really kind of really mandatory. Back. Am I kind of going all the way back? Like, where, when was it that you decided, you know what, I want to teach this great game? Was there a moment in time where, where it really you know, solidified for you that you know, really what I want to do with my life is be a, a golf instructor? You know, with college golf, I really enjoy playing college golf. Uh, again, being able to work with the different players I was on my team, which were, you know, good players, good ball strikers. I was able to learn quite a bit from them. And then when I got started as an assistant golf professional in Houston, you had to teach. I mean, you need that revenue source. <laughs> and that's, I think, <laughs> as the golf pros or any any college individual or anybody, you need more than one stream of income. <laughs> And we're in the era where we have to make our jobs better. So that's, again, where I've been able to, in Miles Square, I get the junior classes. I have 14 going now, six per class. So in a, a week, I see 84 kids. So, again, that revenue source is fantastic for me. And then we have the blessing from the owner to be able to use their private area for junior classes only. So that's been a great benefit for me. Mike, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they follow you, stay up to date with what you're doing, whether it's online or it's on social media? Uh, the, the Coach Landry at, uh, yeah, Mike, Mike Landry Golf. Yeah, you'll be able to go to uh, MikeLandryGolf.com, and I'm right there on the website. Uh, they can also go to, you know, MilesCoreGolfCourse.com, go to the academy section. I can be, you know, right there. Uh, hit me on Facebook. I'll be happy to follow you or, or again, keep a tune of what's going on. Uh, but, yeah, definitely available and uh, ready to help for those who have a passion for the game. Well, Mike, thank you so much for taking time out of your uh, night to come back and be a part of the show. You've been a wonderful guest over the years, a wonderful supporter of the show. Can't thank you enough for all of that. I hope you'll come back and join me again real soon, my friend. I appreciate that, Chris. It was an honor to be on your show. I love, love to follow you. And, and again, I push it on my website to where it's an important feature in my newsletter as well, so that those who have passion for the golf game, as well as football, they can stay in touch with you. I appreciate that very much, Mike. That's very nice of you. It, it means a great deal to me. Take care, my okay. friend. We'll catch up again soon. Okay. Hey, thank you very much, Chris. You have a good evening. You too, Mike. That's Mike Landry, and again, you can uh, follow him on social media, and he's doing a lot of really good things out there in uh, in the L.A. area, and the golf course looks fantastic. Uh, it's uh, it's sort of a link style, and you want to talk about an affordable place to play out in L.A., think about $39 on Monday through Thursday or 53 on weekends and holidays. Boy, that's a great value, and then you also get the opportunity to spend some time with Mike, get a couple of playing lessons from him about the, the you know your full swing and uh, focus on the short game. It doesn't get much better than that. Go check him out online. Again, Mike Landry, you can find him all over uh, social media and particularly on uh, on Facebook. He's a great follow and a, uh, and a very good friend, and I appreciate him very, very much.
All right, before I get to my next guest, Jack Deal, I want to give a shout out to some of our new friends, and that's over at Positive Vibes Golf. Go check them out online at PositiveVibesGolf.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at PVibesGolf. And their head covers and putter covers are a unique way to keep your mind focused on positive thoughts and a great on-the-course training aid because you stay positive. You put that positive and those happy images in your mind. You'll see what I'm talking about when you go over to their website, PositiveVibesGolf.com. And again, on Twitter, at P Vibes Golf. They're great. They've got great stuff, folks. And uh, I'm sitting here looking at one of the head covers right now. And uh, I tell you what, every time you look at it and go back to your bag and put your club in, and you take a look at the head cover or the putter cover, it's going to get your mind back where it needs to be and having a good time. A great, uh, great new company, PositiveVibesGolf.com. I also want to welcome Golf Pride to the next on the T family. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret the pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play Plus 4 and experience a secret pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet, the winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence, grip Golf Pride. And this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at Two Under. I want to remind you about our friends over at Two Under, Men's Performance Briefs, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, which is another story. And your girlfriend and her wife is going to love the side effects, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market. Use code ONTHET20 to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Jack Deal. Let me remind you about Jack's background. He is from King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, started caddying at age 11, earned his Bachelor of Arts degree at the University of Scranton, where he was a member of their golf team and the founder of their ski club. After college, Jack moved out to Chicago, where he started playing in amateur tournaments. He's also played on the Space Coast Tour, the Tommy Armour Tour, and the PGA Tour. After turning 50, he started playing on the Moonlight Tour, he has been a Class A professional, PGA professional at courses like Myrtle Beach National, the Landfall uh, Club out in Wilmington, North Carolina, Rhodes Ranch Country Club in Las Vegas, Legend Trail Golf Club in Scottsdale, Arizona, Rio Grande Club and Resort out in South Fork, Colorado, and he's now the head golf professional at Magnolia Creek Golf Club in the League City, Texas, and I'm very glad he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Jack, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, thank you so much for that great intro. Uh, I certainly appreciate it, and it's always great to be back on the show with you. I appreciate you, Jack. So, uh, Jack, remind our listeners about your new home course, Magnolia Creek. Looks fantastic online, a nice link-style course, like something we'd see maybe over in Scotland or in Ireland. Got nice undulations, it appears, on the fairways and the nice high-lip bunkers. Talk about the courses you have there. And you, you you hit the nail right on the head. We have 27 holes of link-style golf course. Uh, we have one that's called Scotland, one that's called England, and one that's called Ireland. 
and it's just beautiful, great golf with incredible, incredible conditions. And uh, we've got undoubtedly the best greens on the south side of Houston. There's no doubt. Uh, we can get them up to rolling to 12, 13. Right now they're at about 11 because we don't lose anything in the summertime. And we just came out of, uh, I, I guess we aerated in, in May and it came out absolutely incredible. It's just a lot of fun to play a lot of golf there. And, it, and we have people walking, we have people riding, we have just so much fun. And interestingly enough, we have one pine tree on the golf course. And that's why the wow. grill is called the Lone Pine Grill. <laughs> that's awesome. Jack, <laughs> I tell you what, you know, you, you talk about conditions. You've got Trinity Bay and Galveston Bay right there. So you've got, you know, water on the course. You've got water nearby. You've got wind, humidity. I'm sure you get the summer thunderstorms rolling through. So to me, it seems like it would be a warmer version of going to play an open style course you know, obviously in commiserate with the names of the golf courses. So I'm guessing because of all of those different conditions that from day to day, the courses can play completely differently. Am I right about that? You are absolutely right on the head. That is absolutely right. But you know, we're, we're blessed with a great superintendent, Chris Lepore, who's kept the golf course in such great condition. Uh, in the last month, we've had two stretches where we had eight inches and six inches of rain one week, then the wow. next week. And they're out there pumping it all night long to get us ready to play golf the next day. Uh, just hats off to those guys. But, you know, what you're referring to is a little bit like I like to talk about Kiowa Island and the ocean course, that you can go out there and play the ocean course, and on Monday, nine easy holes, nine tough holes. And then you go out on Tuesday, and it's nine easy holes, nine tough holes, but the wind is going a different direction, and the, the ones that were easy yesterday are biting at you today and vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> the no same doubt. thing happens here. The same thing happens here at Magnolia Creek. You can go out there in the morning, and it could be a little still, and by 9, 30, 10 o'clock, you're whooping at 30 miles an hour. Wow. And, Jack, you've been an instructor, like I mentioned in your intro, at different courses all over the country. How is now in, 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 uh, in South Texas, how is playing there different than when you were, you know, playing in the desert out in Arizona, the mountains in Colorado and the East course of North Carolina, how is South Texas golf different? I've had to make my greatest transition going from Colorado to Texas. From in Colorado, I could slash at the ball with a cupped wrist, get it up in the air and it'll go 290, 300 yards. I do that here and it goes 220 yards. That's no good. <laughs> so we've had to go back to playing golf again. So what I've been working on since I've gotten here is improving my supination so that I'm not fully released by the time I get to the golf ball and I have no cupping and now I'm starting to get my, my distance back. Then you have the challenge of being, I don't know if you're at sea level or under sea level, but it's, it's down there than less than 100, 100 feet. So now the ball's not going anywhere because we're not at 8,000 feet anymore. So it's been a tremendous challenge. And, you know, the most important thing you've got to do is you've got to realize that or you have to take a little bit of a, uh, a look at your golf game and say, well, where am I? How far is this club going? How far is that club going? Is it because of the conditions? Because it might take 10 days before you get an opportunity to hit a ball at the range where there's not 20 miles an hour one way or another at you. And then you've got to find out whether it's your problem 
or if it's just the conditions of the golf course. The thing that you must make sure that you do do is take all the confidence you have in your game and your abilities and just wait it out and keep working at it. And, and Jack, you know, and I want to switch gears a little bit, but staying sort of on the same topic, because I want to get some playing lessons from you for when we're out there playing in those sort of tricky wind conditions, right? How do you adjust when you're, when you're looking at, you know, I've got, I'm a hundred yards in maybe, maybe a little less than a hundred yards, but I've got either a really big headwind or a really big tailwind. How are you adjusting your swing, their setup or ball position, whatever it is? to make sure you're either not coming up way short in that headwind or you're not flying the green when you got the tailwind? Excellent question, Chris. What I've done with my game and with my students' game is we've tried to find a golf swing that works in both conditions. If you're hitting that Jack Nicklaus super high shot that you've been working on and haven't quite gotten to his level of of how he hit those shots back when he was winning, and you're just hitting something that's leaving yourself up in the air and and whatever the wind wants to do to it, it does to it, I don't like that shot. I'm more towards maybe putting it back a little inch in your stand, make sure your, your hands stay forward and, and, and knock it down a little bit because, you know, a knockdown shot downwind could still check. It doesn't have to be that let the wind take it another 30 yards. It'll probably still take it 10 yards more. So you hit your 90-yard shot, land on the front of the green and let it bounce up to the hundred yards and where the flag is. Uh, you've got to just learn that. And you do that on the range before you go out, you get yourself ready to know what you're going to know in order to be able to perform on the golf course. So Jack, to that end, that knockdown shot, how do we hit it? I mean, I, obviously you're going to have to practice that and it's a little different than what we're probably used to doing, but talk about the setup and the swing of that knockdown shot. So maybe we can start practicing it this weekend. Okay, sure. Um, first of all, the number one thing I'm going to say that during the swing you need is to be quiet. Keep your body still. Don't go moving all over the place. Set up your posture, grip, stance as normal, and then put the ball back in your stance a little bit. If you set up normal and then move forward two inches laterally towards the golf course, and now your left hand, is, if you're right-handed, is going, your lead hand is going to be ahead of the ball – Leave it there and don't go trying to swing the shot and move back to your right side to get to where your normal impact is. Stay right up front and hit that shot low and keep it low and, and you got to work on it. it. It's probably not going to be a hundred percent full swing. It might be just a nine o'clock to three o'clock swing, which is your left arm going to nine o'clock and your right arm going to three o'clock when you get to the other side, when if, if you're follow through. So I think that controlled swing, is, which, which, is what is, which is going to control your trajectory and control your distance, is the one you need to work on. And Jack, you alluded to this a, a minute ago, but I want to get the, sort of the mental game and the mental approach from you. Because if we show up to the golf course today, and yesterday it was nice and calm conditions, and now we're coming back the next day, and boy, the winds are howling you know, 30, 40 miles an hour. How do you get your mind right so you don't get a defeatist attitude and think, you know, well, geez, I don't have a chance today or I got to deal with this wind. And, and all of a sudden you get all those negative thoughts creeping into your mind that take you off your game. How do you handle that mental approach and stay positive? Well, the first thing is, is that when it's windy, <laughs> that's a plus for me. 
I'm excited. Everybody else is just like like the, 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 your your Kepkas and all are talking about the U.S. Open. There's only so many people that can win because everybody else is afraid about of of winning the U.S. Open. They don't think they can do it. Well, in the win, it's the same thing. I'm excited because. First of all, I'm short, you know, stature-wise, so I don't have to worry about that. So keeping it low, I can do that. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then the other thing I'm also going to do and get excited about is I know that every putt is a straight putt that I hit. Now, it may break three inches right to left, but I'm hitting a straight putt to three inches right of the hole. Well, the same thing happens when you hit a golf ball in and around the wind. If that wind's going to take it five yards right to left, well, then you play for it and you hit your straight shot that you always do and let the wind get it and just smile when it happens. And when it fools you and it lets it go and it stays right in that bunker, you say, okay, you got me this time, but watch me get out of the bunker. And you go get out of the bunker, you get up and down, go to the next hole. That's awesome. I love that. Jack, sticking sort of with the mental side of the game for a minute. Talk about pre-shot routine and what you're thinking about when you are getting, whether it's on the tee or you're or you're going out and you know from the fairway. What are you thinking about when you're you know looking out at the uh, what what shot you have, and then what are you thinking about as you stand over the ball? Chris, I don't know how you do it. Every time I talk to you, you know exactly how to cue me in to what I want to say, and you tee me up just absolutely perfect. I have a note right here that says I want to talk about my 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 partner that played with me in a little 18 and dying fun tournament. I think we put five dollars in and we divided it up, and I think I got four dollars back at the end of the day. But my partner has been working on her game so hard; she's doing so well at doing that. And I watched her for 18 holes, and every time she went through the same routine, she stood alongside of the ball. She Worked on her takeaway, she got it up to the top, and she worked on her follow-through. She stepped up and she hit the shot. And I never said a word to her because I really had never played with her before. And we got to the last hole, and she's in position to hit a wedge to make birdie. She said, two good shots, she's in position to hit a wedge. And I said, excuse me, but I'd like to give you a little bit of a tip that I think will be advantageous for you. She says, oh, my gosh, please, please tell me. I said, all day you've stood alongside of the ball in your pre-shot routine. Please go behind the ball five to seven to ten yards. Now you can see everything that's on the left and everything that's on the right. You can see your lie. Imagine you're making that shot. And do me a favor and just move your shoulder just to brush the club along the top of the grass because – that pitching wedge is shorter than the three wood you just hit. So now get your eye-hand coordination of that. Now rest that club in either your left or right hand and imagine yourself hitting that shot, going exactly the way you want, exactly as high as you want, and coming down right by the flag. Well, the golf gods were on my side, Chris. She stood behind <laughs> it. She brushed the grass. She stood alongside of it. She made it happen, and she hit a shot that went right up in the air, landed by the flag and went about 10, 12 feet by. And unfortunately we, we didn't make that putt coming back. But the thing was, she says, Oh my gosh, I forgot I was supposed to do that, Jack. Thank you so much. And I think that's one of the things that I do want to tell you. I might've talked about it the last time we spoke is to play golf. Playing golf is so much more important than working at it. And to that Work end, on your game. Is that, Work on your game at the range. When you go to play, 
stick with the prom date. The guy or the gal that got you there. <laughs> that swing is good enough. Go have fun. Stand behind it. Say, I'm going to hit a fade. Go up there and hit your fade. And if it hooks, say, ha, ha, double cross. Have fun. <laughs> exactly. Everybody I know on tour that wins and makes money is having fun. It's the guys that aren't making cuts that aren't having making fun. So go out and have fun. Maybe it'll help your game. There you go. Jack, you're absolutely outstanding. I love your energy and your enthusiasm every single time you come on and be a part of the show. Let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you, follow you, and uh, and maybe catch a little bit of that enthusiasm into uh, a part of their game. Chris, I work for the leader in private clubs, Club Corp. Club Corp has golf courses all over Houston. I am at Magnolia Creek Golf Club. You can give us a call there at 281-557-0555, and we'll introduce you to someone that can help you with membership, that can help you with lessons, that can help you with meeting the people in the members of our club. And that's what it's all about. It's all about, you know, creating opportunities for you to, to, to make friends. And, and, you know, Chris, I love golf. I've been around with the private clubs. I really enjoy them because – if you're driving home and you want to go play four or five holes and you're going to the Muni, you're not going to go. But if you're at a private club, you're going to say, hey, I could just go over to the club, play a couple of holes, and who knows, maybe I'll meet a couple of guys, we'll play nine. And that, that's the thing that makes me love private clubs. It's the camaraderie, it's the members, it's the members getting to know other members, and the synergy that's all included in all of that. But I can be, we can be reached at clubcorp.com and then do a search for Magnolia Creek we're in South Houston, halfway from Houston to Galveston. Jack, it's like I say, it's always a privilege having you as part of the show. You always leave me smiling and wanting for more, and I can't thank you enough for your time tonight, and I hope you'll come back and do it again soon, my friend. Tris, it's my honor to be a part of your show. Thank you so much for including me. You have a great night. Jack, you too. All the best to you and your family, my friend. We'll catch up soon. Bye now. That is Jack Deal, D-I-E-H-L, Jack Deal, and uh, check him out. You can find him on Facebook. That's that's probably the easiest way to follow Jack. And then, uh, boy, I tell you what, he always makes the segment so much fun when he comes in his part of the show. I can't thank him enough for his time and uh, always look forward to having him back, and i got to get him back again real soon. All right, now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line. This is one of the wonderful things about doing this show and, be, and becoming, uh, you know, acquaintances and becoming friends from there is uh, is having guys like my next guest, Andy Lano the second joining me on the show. Andy sent me a, a text message on uh, on my drive home tonight, telling me about a recent trip that he had and uh, something that uh, we talked about here on the show a couple of weeks ago, out to a course called Old Head. And folks, if you haven't, you know, listened to that segment, please go back, find us on, uh, we're on so many different podcasting sites. Certainly you can find us on Podbean and iHeartRadio and take a look and uh, take a listen to, uh, that, uh, that segment because, uh, it was fortunate enough that, uh, I got to have their, uh, brand manager, Brent Dornforn from Old Head on the show and talking about what a wonderful place it is. And, uh, it has certainly risen to the, one of the top courses that I have on my bucket list to go play. And it's an absolutely spectacular piece of property, one that's, you know, barely 20 years old, but you'd swear it had to have been there since the, the you know, 16 or 1700s, because uh, let me just tell you, it is on a piece of land in Ireland 
that stretches out two miles. It's a peninsula now, two miles out into the ocean and 300 feet above it. And it's got a great golf course on it. Well, anyway, uh, Andy uh, sent me a text message and said, guess what? I played Old Head and it was spectacular. I said, geez, will you come on the show and talk about what it was like? And he said, absolutely. And I'm very honored that he's taken a few minutes out of his night to come back on the show. Hey, Andy, how are you? Hey, Chris, doing great. Yeah, doing great. Love the show. And uh, yeah, you just explained it. It was absolutely fabulous. Yeah. What got you there and what was it like? Well, it it was a pre-planned trip. I had uh, eight of my buddies. We started last September planning the trip. None of us had been to Ireland to play golf, and we heard all the great stories about playing Lynx golf. As you know, it's so much different than American golf because you obviously play it along the ground, which a lot of us don't have a whole lot of experience doing. But, hey, you know, we wanted to go over there and and give it a whirl. So we scheduled some of the, the six top, really top golf courses in South West Ireland over there and our first course was like inch where they're actually playing, you know, the Irish open this week. But anyway, old head was our second course. And, you know, you see all the pictures and you hear all the raves and all that. And we had like a two hour limo ride to it. And we got up to the point and the steel gates opened up and you go down this single lane road to the clubhouse. And the minute that happened, that was it for me. I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, the, it was the conditions were t- outstanding. Um, they treated you just like, you know, a member because they don't know any different. I mean, I got the same treatment that, you know, uh, the members, the normal members get. I mean, they did that for everybody. The caddies were terrific. The, the food was terrific after. I mean, we played it in a 40 to 15 mile an hour wind. And my caddy wow. told me that he told me, now that it was, the sun was out, so it was fine. But like, I, if I told you some of the stories, like hitting nine irons, 210 yards versus crushing my three wood, 185 into the wind. So I'm wow. not sure by any means, but, but the, the challenges, like, like your, your guest had mentioned about taking on the elements, we definitely took them all on. And the caddy that I had told me that, if they had conditions like this for a tournament, everybody would walk in. <laughs> I said, well, it's too pretty out here. There's no way I'm walking in. I can tell you that. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. I don't care if I shoot a thousand. It was incredible. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so that's, that's an interesting point, right? I mean, if it, it was sunny and you got 40 to 50 mile an hour winds, yeah, you'd have to drag me off the course too. How did, but you know, how did you deal, right? How did you figure out how, how far things were going to travel and, and all of that? Or is that really secondary? Like, it doesn't matter what I score. I'm out here at Old Head. Well, this is spectacular. Well, but, I don't care. Yeah, you know what? You're right. But just, just being the competitor and the ex kind of competing kind of individual that I am and having my tour caddy experience, I'd caddied in conditions like that many, many times. So I, I considered myself to have an advantage that day on my on my cohort, so to speak. And then to have the local caddy who had been there quite a long time and to have his input on green reading, et cetera, it was it was interesting to have him try to say, you know, you probably need to hit this and I'm thinking, No, bro, I go I'm going down two clubs and he'd look at me kinda of funny and all of a sudden I hit a nine iron in there twelve feet from hundred and ninety. Because all you do is you just get it up in the wind and the thing just goes and bounces. 
so it was uh it was definitely challenging but um it you know it was uh quite uh spec a very fair golf course even in the wind wide fairways tremendous condition i mean honestly the greens were lightning and obviously they got a few of them got borderline unplayable with a 50 mile an hour win like the but but i mean again that was all kind of secondary that's just the way it worked out and we did catch great weather in ireland actually um for our six days that we were there so andy for for those of us who have seen the pictures but wonder what it's like to be on that golf course condition, wind aside and all that sort of stuff. Kind of take us through it. Let us see it through your eyes. What was the golf course like and what was the scenery and the surroundings like? So honestly, it's pretty hard to concentrate. Um, I'm looking out almost every hole. I'm going to think almost every one of them. I can't remember maybe one or two where you cannot look out over a cliff. And you got to be careful where you're walking too. I mean, they they are real guarded out there. But I mean, just the view and to think that you're trying to hit a golf shot. Like I aimed one hole. I remember it was a par three. It looked like you could spit on the green. I aimed it 80 yards right, 80 yards right of it, and the wind brought it back. Like you. And then another time, wow. I sent one out over the ocean. Like I tried to hit it in the ocean. And the wind blew it back onto the fairway. So you have wow. to have a really kind of a kind of a, an imagination that you probably never have taken on before because you really don't get those kind of conditions here unless you're, you know, at Pebble or you're on the coast somewhere where it can blow a little bit, whatever. But I mean, like I tell people and not to knock Pebble, but I mean this place was Pebble on steroids. It it was incredible. <laughs> like it was it was amazing. I, I mean, I, I can't, I can't, you know, say enough great things about it. And like I was saying earlier to you, I look forward to getting another swing at it when I actually know where I'm going. Cause you know, when you play a course blind, it's kind of tough to try to figure out, you know, but when you get that one round and you kind of know, you know what, I, I know that knobs over there, or I know that certain things kind of in that place and that, that makes it even more fun. You mentioned, you know, having to be careful where you walk because, again, it sits about 300 feet above the Atlantic Ocean and you got rocks and all that other stuff. So, you know, when you're peering over the edge every once in a while, what's it like? Well, the way I was playing golf that that day, I almost wanted to jump, but I didn't because, you know, it, it's, it, <laughs> it, it, you can't you can't take yourself too serious or golf too serious, but. I mean, it, it's it's honestly, you just you just are amazed that God could put a place like that on this earth. And I mean, it is in, in the creation of the individual that went out there, and he did, and, and was able to make it like it's not like it, it's a very playable kind of place, and it and it looks like it's been there a thousand years, and it's only been there twenty years, which is a real compliment to it. I mean, the the clubhouse is very new and very outstanding and beautiful and the food that we had in there was terrific. And, but yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing is it's, you know, as you know, golf's a sport of concentration, but it's hard to concentrate out there when you're looking at waves crash. And, and I mean, the, the wind was whistling and the, the, the water, I mean, it was just, it's, it was, uh, I I've never had an experience like that. And I've been all over the world and caddied in some spectacular places, but that one, definitely reached the top of my list after, you know, and I just feel fortunate enough that I was able to, you know, go out there and spend four and a half hours. 
One of the things you that uh, Brent you, you definitely us, need to go for sure. <laughs> Put yeah, it on your bucket I promise list. you. I, uh, Absolutely. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After after Augusta National and the old course comes old head on my bucket list, Andy. I promise you. That's has risen quickly to the top. One of the things that uh, that Brent told when he came on the show was how they had uh, you know some severe storms, you know, back in the day and uh, waves crashing all the way up onto the golf course. So you figure that's 300-ish feet. He said they came out one time, and there was just littered. The, 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 uh, the golf course was littered with golf balls that the ocean theoretically spit back out and, uh, because of the waves. Can you imagine something like that happening? Is that something that seems like folklore, or, does, or having experienced the 50-mile-an-hour nope. winds, can you say, you know what, that could happen? No, no, I, I believe them, and, and I can say that I donated, and one of those balls might have been mine. But, I mean, I, I, I can <laughs> say that it's definitely for sure feasible. And the, the interesting story that the caddy told me, he said that when the fog comes in there, because all of a sudden you could be playing and it's perfect, and all of a sudden fog comes in, they blow a horn and they tell everybody to stand still. They do not want you to move. They actually come out and get you. So – I mean, that's kind of freaky when you think about it. You know, you, you, yeah. if you're at a golf course, you could find your way back to the – they don't even want anybody because you, if you, you know, make a mistake, it, there isn't much room out there. You could, you know, it might not be good. So when he told me that and after walking five or six, seven holes, I'm like, yeah, I can see that for sure. But for sure on the – I mean, Mother Nature is something, as you know, you can never underestimate. And if those swells are getting that high and blasting up on it, and that fairway that he talks about actually is kind of a downhill um, par five, number 17, pretty hole. So I don't want to say it wasn't the highest of the 300 feet, but it was still quite a drop from there. And I, it wouldn't surprise me at all to have, have the, uh, um, the ocean and the Atlantic Ocean spit those balls back out onto the property. That, I, I'm a believer after what I saw for sure. Andy, just a couple more, a couple more before I let you go. And you said you've caddied out there where there have been, you know, conditions similar to that. What kind of events did you, uh, were you a caddy at where you saw winds that uh, that whipped that hard? Well, let's see. The well, one of them for sure was uh, the. I don't know if you remember, but you might the, the Honda Classic. We used to play it at TPC. Um, what was it? Eagle Trace. Eagle Trace. Okay. So this is a course where, you know, in Florida, and I, I mean, like the average score when we got done that day, was like 78 for the PGA Tour. So if you shot wow. four, 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 you shot, a, I think par was 72. If you shot two or three over, you picked up tons on the field. And if you go back, obviously the Honda is not played there anymore. Um, you know, they moved courses, but that was one of one of the high wind places that that I played. Pebble Beach got up there a few times in the in the AT and T for sure, um, to where you know you were lucky. You know, if your rotation you were on Spyglass, you were loving life because you sure didn't want to be on Pebble trying to play six, seven, eight, nine, and ten in a left to right crosswind blowing forty. I mean, it's just it, it's just it's it. The wind is the most feared element of any PGA Tour golfer, and he'll be the first to tell you that. They'll play in the rain, they'll play in the cold, they'll play in everything, but the wind is the one that is the great equalizer, the one that they really can't conquer 
or they can, but that's the hardest one for them to conquer is what I saw in my experience out there. So Andy, before I let you go and just to finish up on old head, uh, you've certainly seen all the world's best for, for the most part, where does old head rank for you amongst uh, the best courses to play? I mean, for me, it's in, it's in my top five. Okay. So obviously I put the masters and I put, you know, I put St. you know, St. Andrews is more historic for me. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I mean, I like LA North. I mean, I like some of the McKenzie places like the, the Valley club and Pasa Tiempo and some of the, you know, the West coast secrets. And, you know, there's some great, you know, obviously some tons of great courses here in America, but I mean, this place, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen anything close to it. Like I said, I mean, Pebble Beach would be the closest that I've seen, and I haven't played a lot of courses on cliffs like that. But, I mean, this it's magnificent. And, and to think, I mean, the, the, the rate to play it as a non-member is 430 bucks. Well, they charge, like, I think it's over 500 now to play Pebble. So it's a heck of right. a deal, <laughs> to say the least. So. Like I said, if anyone's thinking about going to, out to Ireland and they're going to go, make sure you go and find a way that, that your your scheduling company or whoever they, that you're working with, that they get that one in there because it is special for sure. Andy, thank you so much, first of all, for uh, for sharing it with me on my way home. And then second, uh, for taking time out of your night to come back and uh, and tell the story. It was awfully nice of you to do both of those things. I hope you'll come back and join me again soon and talk about all the great places that you get to play, and uh, whether it's now or the ones that you have seen, because uh, it's been great having you. Uh, it was a, a couple of weeks ago when you were part of the show, and certainly again tonight. Thank you so much for your time. Well, I appreciate appreciate it, Chris, and love the show. And, and uh, anytime I can contribute to help you out, I'm here for you. I appreciate it. Hey, let our listeners know how they can follow you on social media. So social media, I'm on, uh, you can ALANO2 on Twitter, and then it's AGLANO2 on Instagram. And, uh, and, got, and they can go to, you know, www.golfmastery.net. And they can check out, you know, my experiences and and, uh, things that I'm doing now to help grow the game of golf. Andy, again, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, You're spectacular. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you, Chris. Travel safe on the way home. Take care. (laughs) See you, Andy. Thank you. You too. It's Andy Lano. L-A-N-O. And uh, two I's, so for two. So Andy Lano, two. He's, uh, he's a great follow. He's doing a lot of really good things. Golfmastery.net is his uh, website. Check him out there as well. And, folks, again, if you haven't you know, checked out Oldhead, oldhead.com, very easy. Go check out the pictures and then their website and take a look at how spectacular that piece of property is and how great that golf course is. And you'll understand why I and my good friend, you know, uh, you know not only Andy, but my boy Angelo Kane, uh, as well as when uh, he heard the, the segment of the show, went to check it out and said, we got to go. He's like, that is now at the top of my, you know, my must playlist, my bucket list course. And uh, I couldn't agree with him more. We got to make sure that we make that happen because it is a, uh, it's a, it really is something folks. And you'll see when you go check out their website. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this edition of next on the T want to send out my sincere thanks to Tim Cusick. Mike Landry, Jack Deal, and Andy Lano 
for being a part of the show tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net, to keep up to date with our guest schedule so you can see who's uh, going to be joining us. Please check us out on, uh, like I say, lots of different podcasting sites. Very much uh, want to send out our thanks to launchpaddm.com for, uh, for uh, you know, asking us to be a part of their uh, website. They've got a lot of great podcasts over there. They're featuring us right there on their homepage. And uh, the more uh, likes and the more listens and the more subscriptions that we get over on that site, uh, we can uh, give us the opportunity to get on Podcast One. And that is one of the biggest uh, podcasting sites there is. So please check us out on launchpaddm.com. Click the subscribe button. We'd really appreciate that. You can also stream the show on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm, uh, pretty much any place that you consume podcasts, you'll be able to find the show. So check us out and, uh, and uh, make us a part of your, uh, your whether it's your, your commute, your time at the gym, your time shopping, or uh, just sitting at home. Uh, we really appreciate the fact that you're listening to Next on the Tee and you're making us a part of your golfing content. Thank you so much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. Tuesday.